0: and welcome to another episode of alec mappa hot mess with matthew dempsey psychotherapist i'm alec mappa i'm an actor comedian and i play second in World's Worst Cooks,
1: Celebrity Edition. <laughs> and I'm Matthew Dempsey, I'm a psychotherapist. And I'm just not Alex's therapist because that is way too big of a job for me.
0: No, God, it's true. You know, I've been with the same therapist for 12 years and I've only recently become comfortable enough to make eye contact.
1: But I think you're doing a good job, Alec, because you know, we're always working through it anyway. And right now the entire world is just kind of a hot mess. So we're gonna zero in on some of our biggest fears, anxieties, issues, and discuss all the coping solutions and strategies because honestly, Honestly, let's face it. Underneath it all,
0: everyone is, is a hot, hot mess. mess. <laughs> someday we'll get that right. <laughs> Just someday we'll get that right. Yeah, um, we have we have a very important topic today on the Hot Mess Show. Uh,
1: radical acceptance that's right not to be confused with just regular acceptance no, what we're talking about is radical, radical acceptance. acceptance radical so, acceptance the first time that I ever heard of this concept I actually did it's DBT dialect I did DBT therapy you did
0: dialectical behavioral therapy
1: and it's a very specific kind of theoretical approach to therapy yeah. and counseling and all that so what are, what are your subs right now <laughs> what your subs? Subjective oh, of units of, of distress. Okay. I'm not like anyways, so radical acceptance. <laughs> get out of here, subs. So radical acceptance, it's what we consider when we can really get lost in our thoughts and our feelings. And, you know, we can maybe struggle. There's a lot of times we think that we need to have the right thinking or kind of feel the right way. But when mm-hmm. we can actually just lean into whatever it is that we are thinking and feeling and struggling with in any moment, if we can at least start from a baseline of pure radical acceptance, like whatever's right. happening, happening is okay. That's what we're talking about.
0: It doesn't mean that you like it. It right. doesn't mean that you approve of it. It's Where that just is comfortable. like in this, it could be completely uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but it's radical acceptance. And yes. that's what's going on right now with the COVID and the, the, the new American civil war. Holy. I mean, it's just like, it's what everybody and you could see who's not radically accepting it. Yeah. Like I go out with the mask. I go out with, you know, uh, I, I, I go to the Trader Joe's where they wipe down the shopping carts and everything. And yes. it's kind of like it's dystopian, but what choice do you have? I mean, I can either be in a state of hysteria 24 mm-hmm. 7 or I can mm. radically accept what's going on. That's what are right. you radically accepting,
1: Matthew? <laughs> <laughs> Radically accepting that I have no control over where this conversation is going when I'm with Oh, uh, really? <laughs> uh, was, that, was that too personal? Was that too... No, it's perfect. I love it. That's why we work yeah. together. But yeah, yeah you know, and know, it's not radical. The thing that I love about coronavirus, which is usually not the way that people start a sentence, but the thing that I love the about coronavirus. The thing that I love about coronavirus most, what, that's the pageant One of question. my favorite things. Yeah, Miss Tennessee, the, what do you the, love <laughs>
0: most about coronavirus?
1: <laughs> my ideal date with coronavirus uh, is really just being able to lean into it because so many people get hung up on all the things that we're supposed to do and try Mm. to predict and anticipate every single thing that's going on in life and just try to find a way of, you know, getting comfortable in their lives by trying to kind of like eat out whatever's about to come and just try to, you know, kind of succeed in ways that are defined for us. But the thing about coronavirus is forcing us to actually get still. It's forcing us to sit the F down and, and just kind of shut uh-huh. up and actually check in with our own selves. And that's very uncomfortable.
0: It's terrifying for a lot and of we people. Ha- it's
1: very terrifying, mm-hmm. but we have to be able to do that in order to be able to actually just accept that part of ourselves first, the discomfort and all of that with it. Mm-hmm. And then we can start doing the work, but we can't do that if we can't just accept where we're at first.
0: Right. I think I accepted where I was at like a month into it, like a month into it. I was like, and then I was like, all right, I need to feel useful. So yeah. I started doing IGTV fundraisers to feed COVID-19 nurses. Which
1: was great, by the way. Right. Thank you yes. very
0: much. And then I started <laughs> to do, and I'm still doing it. I'm doing it uh, uh, and still doing fundraisers for the Transgender Law Center. But they made yeah. me feel useful. I'm not that type of person who can get through the day. And I feel like I haven't done anything.
1: Well, so put, really totally, but I would, you know, I think that's yeah. great. And it was great that you were able to find some purpose in that too. But also for some people who really can't necessarily just automatically get activated into doing something kind of jump right. into some like next project, right? It can really be hard then because then it just feels like, oh my god, I'm being lazy. I have all this time now I should be doing something even yeah. even just that thinking for yeah. some people. Can be really uncomfortable so i think the should is
0: unfair because it's like this is we're living through history right now yeah this is a time that's it's 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 unique it has never happened before this way yeah and it's never going to happen again so i think people should have the emotional permission yeah i'm a little drunk the emotional (laughs) permission to do to feel however they want right now because this is freaky this is a freaky time
1: but Did you know I what, like you are, you are right. so you are somebody who who's who you know kind of jumps right into any kind of project, and you're ready to stay active, all yes. of that stuff. Yes. What would have happened? Do you think mm-hmm. had you not jumped jumped right into like some new thing that you could have done? If you were, I think just
0: that I would have been me. kind of sitting around the house and upset that I'm not a television on a television sitcom right now. I would have just okay. kind of. I'm a dweller. Do you right. know what I mean? That I, I that's yeah. why I meditate and everything. Cause like the point of meditation is kind of to, to be the, of the observer of your own thoughts. Yes. And I'm a whiny bitch. It's never enough. <laughs> it's never enough. Right. Yeah. I just, I want more. And then, so, I, so what's, what's changed for me because I've had to sit the fuck down yeah. is I've had to focus a lot on gratitude. Like I've had a lot of really great things, happened to me. And I have so many great friends yes. and I'm doing work that I'm proud of. So shut up.
1: Good. So, there's so many I other people who have it worse. I've been I've doing gratitude, gratitude journal for years. I right. love it. I love it.
0: And but, radical acceptance. Did I tell you that I shit acceptance. my pants on father's day? Well, I'm
1: glad to hear about that.
0: I was reading the Sunday paper. I'm going to make you listen to this story.
1: Do I really have to radically accept this moment? Yes, you have to
0: radically accept that you're going to hear my, my pants shooting story. Okay. Uh, I'm reading the New York Times. My son's in the bathroom. We have a, a spacious 1,100 square foot house with one bathroom and three grown men. Uh, um, he's a teenager. Beautiful. And um, he could be in the bathroom from anywhere from seven to eight hours. Yeah. Because, or seven minutes to eight hours because yeah. he's 15. So um, I had a little, uh, an urge to go and i'm reading the editorials and i you know what i can handle it i can i can wait and then all of a sudden it was like somebody just punched me in the stomach and all of a sudden i just i crapped my pants and as as soon as i crapped my pants as soon as i soiled myself the bathroom of course the bathroom door opens (laughs) i'm running across the room and my husband's yelling at me i'm not cleaning that
1: that is disgusting. Okay, can you help bring this full circle once okay, so what I had to moment? say was
0: it was I was so fun. I started <laughs> laughing because I thought radical acceptance.
1: <laughs> I just shit myself. Wait, let me just. I just want to paint the visual here. So you're like in the kitchen or whatever, shitting yourself, just muttering radical acceptance, and everybody thought no, you the were bathroom okay.
0: I am rinsing off and everything. <laughs> and then I come back out into the dining room. I wipe everything down, I clorox
1: everything, I clean yeah. the carpet
0: just in time to go, hey, who's ready for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs>
2: In the late 70s, a brotherhood of criminals lived by one unbreakable rule. Yeah, don't snitch. Those who did ended up in the ground. He had dirt under his fingernails like he had tried to dig his way out. And when their own kids turned on them.
1: They would do anything and they didn't care who they had to kill.
2: The Killing Month, August 1978, is the new podcast from WRAL. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Are you ready to bring out today's radically accepting
1: guest? I couldn't think of a, a better moment to do Me it. Neither. Let's do that. All right. So today our guest is a multi-talented Emmy Award winning comedian and writer responsible for some of the best jokes at the Academy Awards for over 25 years. Can you believe that? He's also written material for celebrities such as Bette Midler, Elizabeth Taylor, Lily Tomlin, and so many more. And Boutrous Boutrous Golly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the man is a gay icon and advocate for LGBTQ plus rights, who also has won numerous awards for his work in support of AIDS and equal rights charities. Please welcome the legendary Here She Is World, Here She Is Boys, Bruce Valanche. Da, 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 Thank you. Up.
2: that was a, my surprise reveal <laughs> <laughs> i picked that up from butras butras golly it works better <laughs> but a sorry but sorry
0: who's sorry now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i love the i love the page boy haircut you've like you know you it's settled on
2: this i haven't judged it enough i don't yeah want to do that. i wanted um, to be like out there and you know but I can't, it's it, something in it, in the Schwarzkopf 23, that I think.
0: Not too many people know this. I'll live with it. But Bruce I have radical
2: acceptance of Radical acceptance about your boy haircut.
0: Yay. Not too many people know this. Bruce Valanci is in the legendary movie, Mahogany, with Miss Diana Ross. You have a great scene in the beginning. Oh. And you're here super curly. In that, yeah, I've never seen it in that configuration
2: then, before. It, it took a turn, I think it was probably medication. It took a turn, <laughs> like, like so many other things do. Uh, I, I, I the well so butchered took
0: the curl out of your hair,
2: it was very. I had we, a Jufro, we used to call it when, mm-hmm. I, was, when I was younger, uh, yeah. and you could say things like that, it, but now you can't say Jufro it, anymore. It's, now, people, I for no, for a Jufro, I don't think, I mean, no, it's not the same <laughs> word, it's just not used that much. It's yeah. not used that much. Don't call attention to it.
0: I know. I know. My <laughs> friend, my Jewish friends in uh, middle school used to call it a hebe hair. They would call it a it right. hebe hair. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to see you, Bruce. We've traveled all around the world together. We yeah. had one year where we were like literally um, Siamese twins because every I time like I showed it. up in a project, you were there.
2: Yeah. Well, we were on Atlantis cruises back when, mm-hmm. people, you know, mm-hmm. the gay Petri dish at sea. <laughs> it's never going to happen know, again we had, we had no we didn't realize that you know we were like doing anything wrong uh, but we had a great time we had a <laughs> We yeah. did have
0: a great time <laughs> we always
2: used to joke that if
0: you uh, if you covered this ship in a black light Right now, it would look like (laughs) it would look like one giant DNA sample. One more (laughs) down To to Stern. Have you ever been on a gay cruise,
1: Matthew Dempsey? I haven't. No, I don't know. Um, I was just talking about this the other day. It seems like such a great idea to get to be with just like a bunch of uh, you know cruise ship of just all gay people, but then it also sounds terrifying at the same time too. So I just haven't done it.
2: That was what I thought the the first time. The first one I did was like 2002. Yeah. Uh, what, what amazed me about it was there was every kind of gay person on it. If mm-hmm. uh, okay. mm-hmm. You're looking for the one who's up at six o'clock in the morning on the gangplank, dressed for a safari. Right. Because we're going to a Punta Kunta or some kind of point. Yeah. <laughs> and he must examine the ruins of Punta Kunta. <laughs> He's there. Yeah. There's him. And then there are like the people who are who are so Kate and mollyed out. Yeah, right. They didn't realize what what's Punta Kunta? Where are, what Yeah. Is, yeah. Where are, what is that? Yeah, that was my joke
0: when we were doing the Mexico cruise. If somebody <laughs> looked out and said, uh girl, we've already been to Hawaii, we're not getting
2: off the ship. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, you know, the thing about the Mediterranean cruises is that people have spent a lot of money and they don't want to like sleep through Rome. Right, right. Yeah, know, because because they were doing the latest gaga dance last night. Okay. Right. <laughs> When you're going to like, you know, to the, the Caribbean, you know, one shitty fishing village is like another. Amen. Yeah.
1: Those things, Amen. I mean, these, these cruises though kind of seem a little bit challenging. We're talking about acceptance, obviously, and it makes Radical it, acceptance. Radical acceptance, but it kind of seems like, you know, especially with the promo pictures and everything for those cruises, it just seems like it's a very specific, just one note only. That can make it hard. It's
2: something that they've, they've had to deal with over years is the aspirational advertising. Right, uh-huh. totally. It's like- uh, the idea is you go on this cruise and you'll meet these hot guys with huge packages and you're going to have a great time. And, uh, and then, but what it triggers is a fear in people that they're not good enough to be in that. And it, it can have the opposite effect. But the truth is when you get on the ship, Everybody's there. I mean yeah. it's every kind of, of guy. Uh-huh. There are those that. guys and then there are guys you'll you'll find the guy the, the people you want to be with. Right, yeah. right. That's
1: nice that uh that's nice that it actually is a little bit more accepting when you get on there.
2: Yeah. yeah. My specialty for years was couples who had been together a few years and wanted to fool around with a celebrity. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Bruce, that's speaking, a, that's Bruce, nice speaking of,
1: that's a, it's there. a good yeah. angle. It's a good <laughs> angle. And speaking of acceptance and celebrity, you know, you've been in the entertainment industry forever. So what, what for you, you know, how have you been able to find acceptance actually being in especially this industry that's all about performance and appearance?
2: That's a very good question. Uh, um, I mean, it's about, I, I, how I found acceptance I, I was successful and, uh, mm-hmm. uh and so that helped. I mean, I, I also didn't—I didn't come out here until I had an agent and a job. So there was there was that yeah. self self knowledge that I had. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm delighted that I you know I've, I've had that kind of acceptance. I've accepted all this, the lunacy that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and partially it was I didn't become famous until Hollywood Squares, which was I'd been here 20 years already.
0: Everybody in the business knew who you were. Yeah, like, we we all knew that you were you were writing all the jokes at the Academy Awards. That was the, you know, the worst. I was kept kind of amazed.
2: Them. I was kind of surprised because I didn't, like, promote that. Mm-mm. I mean, eventually they made a movie about it, which was produced by Harvey Weinstein, who never laid a hand on
1: it. Oh, wow. <laughs> that son of a bitch. Hashtag
2: oh, golly. Why not me?
0: <laughs> what was that
2: first job? What
0: was the paying job that you came out here
2: with? The job I actually came out here for was the Manhattan Transfer. Uh, I started working with the Bette Midler. The variety show? The variety show. I watched it. I started their- working with Bette Midler and Bette's dresser's uh, brother was Tim Hauser, who founded the transfer. And we put their act together and uh, uh, she got them an agent and she got them uh, a manager and uh, they got a TV deal to be the summer replacement show for Cher. Yeah. And I had been writing for Sonny and Cher and Sonny without Share, and Share without Sonny. And Bette uh, a, 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 was on the pilot of the Share show so I came out here to do the summer replacement series with Manhattan Transfer, and uh, and I stayed basically because it was it, I didn't realize it was the last gasp of variety television.
0: Yeah, you were you wrote on all my favorite. I'm a child of the '70s, so I've I watched everything. I watched the Pauline Halloween special, which people are rediscovering on Amazon. It's the weirdest, most surreal I'm thing ever.
2: I'm writing a book about how I wrote the worst television shows and lived. The, the Star but, Wars. But it's Hollywood actually
0: special. the best television.
2: Oh, the Star Wars television special. <laughs> which um, George Friday Lucas hour. has disowned. <laughs> I mean, I did one turd after another, and they, thanks <laughs> to the internet, they all live.
0: You wrote all those shows, and you were here in the seventies, like I. Well, I'll explain this, to Matthew Dempsey. We had variety shows in the '70s, and when they went on hiatus, any top 40 artist could get their own variety right, yeah, place for the
2: summer. You, know, you like, could get
0: it, like, yeah. So you Shields and Yarnell, who were mimes, had a variety show. <laughs>
2: they did. during
0: the summer that
2: I loved. I worked on their act. You
0: did, of, of course, you did. I you did. worked oh, yeah, on a mime
2: were. act. They had a sta- They had a stage act. They opened for Flip Wilson at Caesar's Palace. It's a never-to-be-forgotten Amazing. show because Maria Schneider, who then became a jazz diva, uh, uh, was a, a European artist, uh, was the, the uh, very opening act. Then Sheila and Yarnielle came on and then Flip. And they would, they would when Flip was changing into Geraldine, uh, they would, would, I don't know if this is, Edinburgh, you would know any of this stuff, but Geraldine was the Flip Wilson drag character. She was yeah. like the original black. Hilarious. The devil made me do it. She was, Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> My boyfriend, she, killer. What, yeah, it was and her boyfriend killer, uh anyway, so shields and yarn were in between, and they they did mine, but then they also spoke and sang and danced. Lorene, was a, they were big dancers,
0: yeah, they were big dancers. Were you always out when you came Lower. to town? were you always? I was
2: always i mean uh. What was that like in the 70s to be out and just like not care? Well, you know, you didn't declare it. I mean, it, it, nobody, everybody was in until Stonewall. And then after Stonewall, the out movement began. And I, I just felt like everybody knew that I was, I never had to declare myself. But, uh, and also when I would been younger, there was a strong bisexual element. I always wanted to have a wife and a house and kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was, you know, I had serious girlfriends, but. Uh, I eventually came to the conclusion that uh, any woman I was interested in deserved better than the guy who was gonna sneak off to the Greyhound station. Oh. And that was me. And so I respected these women too much and I made a choice. So it's always made me laugh when they say, yeah, homosexuality is a choice. I said, yes, it's a choice to be your authentic self. Yes.
0: There you go, which we just talked about. And it's also another form of radical acceptance.
2: Yes. Yes, Yes.
0: it is. I didn't know this about you.
2: That that almost, forgive me if i'm treading on holy land here All right but that implies you, there's nothing you can do about it so you might as well accept it like even if it's not a good thing right, right. yeah I, I was never ashamed of right. my sexuality. i
0: think the, the psychological pin, underpinnings of radical acceptance is is kind of as a coping mechanism of yeah. something when you when you're swimming against the tide and yeah, you're right. getting worn out a coping mechanism could be radical acceptance.
1: Well, when you're swimming against the tide, because we've come up in a world that has that has heterosexuality as the standard. Right. So exactly. even if even if kind of inherently you've you've mo- mostly any of us, you know, kind of gay people have like felt mostly okay with being with being gay that there's still gonna be some shame that we have to work against, right? It's not necessarily a very conscious thing, but ways in which the smallest ways that we might try to hide just who we are. So being able to have radical acceptance about the noise of shame around things like our sexual identity, being able to just check in on that and then do the work from there where we can shine. I
2: was mad mad at Dan Savage for years because his his, it gets better. Right. Uh, Telling kids it gets better. I said, that's it's wrong now that sounds so passive. Like well, when you get older, this none of this shit will matter. Yes, that's true, but that doesn't mean you can't have to live through it. Right. What, what do you think would have been a more hopeful message of, I don't know. it gets better?
1: I,
0: I, uh, hang in. It gets I don't, I don't, bitter. No
2: it's a turn at every turn bitter. yeah that would be it probably it
0: gets. that was my phrase it gets bitter skewing
2: of the boys in the band it gets
0: bitter, <laughs> it gets bitter. let's play the telephone game uh, <laughs> i i didn't know this about you until recently i i adopted my son when he was five you were adopted at
2: age i was four, four days four, four days. Wow. and four days and i was adopted uh and it was, I mean, they, you know, it was very site-specific. They wanted a Jewish baby, male Jewish baby. And right. I, I had, my father's aunt was a big mocker in the hospital. And so she found this, found me, where, because she put a, an APB out for the next uh, hmm. adoptable. Jew
0: baby alert, Jew baby alert.
1: <laughs> Keep an eye I all points bulletin. bulletin.
2: Yeah. And so I was born in Manhattan and taken to Jersey four days the first of many insults <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey i'm from jersey nothing wrong with jersey where are you from i'm straight from a little town down. called clark it's about 20 minutes know, uh yeah, you know clark. Patterson? oh patterson i went to william patterson for undergrad william patterson university in
2: wayne well see there you know patterson wow. which nobody knew about it was famous for criminals until all yes of hamilton came along and suddenly patterson is now tourists are coming to see <laughs> hamilton. but um Clark, Clark was like the center of, of hot, a hotbed of Jewish activity. USY, uh, I think that the, there was a big chapter in Clark.
1: Well, I'll tell you, in, I, and things must have changed then when I was growing up, because we didn't really have any Jews with the exception of one. And for his bar mitzvah, I was the only one not invited to it. And it was on my birthday. Oh. What the hell?
2: <laughs> Radical acceptance.
1: But I radically accepted it. I radically accepted Radical acceptance. So, Bruce, I heard actually that your mom was the one who got you started in the industry.
2: Is that true? Uh, well, she just recognized a, a kind of a, a passion that I had. I mean, I learned how to read from looking at the movie ads. You know, wow. I would point I'd go, Gaynor! and go, Mixi Gainer," and that's amazing. He could read that. It wasn't. Uh, I wasn't a savant. <laughs> it was just that I but was, a star was born. To it. I was you know i mean we drive along in those days uh movie houses had marquees with with neon yeah. with pink neon and and, blue. and i was mesmerized by all that and there was something about the glamour of all of it that, that attracted me and i don't know why we we were not leading drab lives in, in my family but um i was just attracted to all of that and then of course it turned out that my mother's family was full of, uh, of showbiz types. Right, he in fact, had an uncle who was a Catskills comic. Not a successful Catskills comic. <laughs> <laughs> a terrible Catskills comic. <laughs> <laughs> and she had always entertained notions of being a, a showgirl, and, but she got married before she could do it. But she would do a lot of benefits, which is something I learned from ah. her.
0: Oh, I, really? They, they
2: yeah, they were very philanthropic, my parents. They, uh, but, I mean, not, to, not in, a, in a money way, but there was that, too. But my father was a doctor, and he would go do all the jewish homes for the aged in the area right mm-hmm. go and do pro bono stuff and yeah. my mother organized a lot of they had ladies auxiliaries and so she would organize shows and things like that so they were very like proactive people
0: we were standing next to each other on one of the red carpets at like one of the billion benefits that we do and somebody asked you you're you come to every benefit you're at every benefit you're invited to why why? And then you said, "I'm here because I never thought, as a kid growing up in New Jersey, that I would have any kind of influence, that I would be able to help in this kind of way."
2: That's true. I mean, once uh, you know, after Hollywood Squares, when you're on television every night, uh, you become famous, and once, right. I, as I could use that to uh, to leverage things, I was uh, I was uh, committed to. Like gay rights and like mm-hmm. and and uh, Judaism, and although I'm an atheist, but i'm a I'm a tribal Jew.
0: right. Sure. Well, speaking of uh, uh, gayness and Judaism, um your your most infamous uh, writing partnership has been with Bette Midler. Yes, Can you tell true. us about meeting her for the first time?
2: Uh, it was in Chicago. Uh, I was writing for the Chicago Tribune, and uh, she was uh, on Broadway and Fiddler on the roof and she had, was sing, we used to sing at the Improv down the street after the show, and the, man, the owner was Bud Friedman, and he had signed her as a client, and he booked her in a club called Mr. Kelly's, which was a very famous club in its day, uh, in Chicago, where, it's, where all the, the hip-swinging acts recorded live albums. And he called me up and said, uh, if you like this girl, uh, would you uh, write about her? And so I went to see her, and I was knocked out. She opened for uh, uh, Jackie Vernon, who was a deadpan comic.
0: Wow. So you
2: remember, say, when I was a kid, I was unwanted. Now I'm wanted in 13 states. <laughs> exactly. And the audience kind of looked like him. Yeah. And he came out, you know, with red hair with a gardenia in it and a blouse unbuttoned and no brazier, and singing Shaboom. Yeah, 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 Right. And so I interviewed her and I, and I wrote a column and she called me the next day and said, that's very funny, you're a funny writer. And I said, well, you're very funny, you should talk more. And uh, she said, you got any lines? And I started writing her line, writing her local Chicago stuff and then I would follow her around. When she went back and then she started uh, at the Turkish bath, she got this audition to sing at a gay Turkish bath. It's a long story, but, um, and so I wound up writing for her from the beginning. Mm. And, and it's so now, funny. that like, we discovered that we are actually her family is from Patterson. Oh yes. I never occurred that Midler's cleaners was that Midler, <laughs> <laughs> and that was run by her aunts.
0: That's an so amazing the, coincidence. The girls and so many from
2: Germany. And
0: furthermore, right, here I'll
2: tell you the story. Okay. <laughs> I called my parents and I said I'm working with this girl and she's terrific and she's on Johnny Carson tonight. Who Johnny Carson was still in New York. Mm-hmm. and uh and they watched and, uh, and i called them afterwards i said what do you think they said no oh, she's a she's a pistol she's like an energetic and amazing i love her and my father said looks exactly like a girl i used to date in high school i said who's that he said ruth You <laughs> remembered i said what happened to ruth he said she married fred midler and they moved to hawaii <laughs> no. Oh, Where Beth was God. born. Oh, oh my so God. So my father dated her mother. Whoa.
0: That is bananas. And I was about to say, when, sometimes when, when it, I see when her on stage. This, when I told okay. her,
2: she called her mother, and her mother said, Well, there was a pause. <laughs> I knew Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that we dated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> 20 years later. That's I don't know that we dated. There are times I've, but I've Clearly seen, they did. And yeah, stuff. clearly they did. There's a story yeah. there. Yeah. I've seen her act so many times and then I hung out with you and your delivery's the same. Like when well, she does,
2: when she does your joke. Her, she I got it for she got it me. I mean, right. she's brilliant. Yeah. And, uh, and the Divine Miss M is a character that, you know, that, that she came up with and I, I elaborate, I embroidered on it. Mm-hmm. And we had a collaborator. We had Bill Hennessy, who was absolutely brilliant. Who was a hairdresser at Bergdorf Goodman, who uh, did her hair and worked for her on the side with and and Kim and wound up coming out here and being a writer until he passed a long time ago. But um, uh, so there was, yeah. So there is, a, there's no question. There yeah, was for kinship you're probably related
0: maybe yeah. maybe, you're, maybe you're um you're uh, you're her long lost brother maybe you <laughs> were the be. Jewish baby at the hospital well, that could be the
2: adopted uh, <laughs> yeah you know they yeah. were in hawaii i mean they went to they ran away they eloped to hawaii because, uh-huh. uh, they they wanted to go where the jews would not find them uh-huh. and there were there were none there except like people in the navy there was i oh, yeah. there was a, a a congregation in honolulu right. they started the congregation in honolulu and uh they were there for pearl harbor and uh you know all of that. i mean she was born after that but
1: right yeah i know we're talking about like one of the biggest gay icons uh, obviously a bit midler um and yeah. just talking about the work that you wanted to do around gay rights and stuff like that you know kind of being in your position in hollywood but like what role did being gay you know kind of play in your experience through hollywood
2: yeah i got inspiration because i was always out and uh I got inspiration from Merle Miller, who was a historian who was gay, who wrote uh, uh, the definitive biography of Harry Truman, and so had big academic credentials, and he wrote for The Village Voice and whatnot. And he wrote an article for the New York Times uh, Sunday magazine, and it said, uh, a fag is a homosexual gentleman who has just left the room.
0: I love that. Mm.
2: You know how bitchy fags can be. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, And I determined I was going to be that person. I was going to be. They weren't going to be able to say that fag because I was going to tell them, right off the top. Uh-huh. You know? And I said, you know, when you say, when you called some call me somebody a fag, you're talking about me.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: I'm I'm gay. I'm a fag. Right. So re- bear that in mind. And because I de- I determined at that point that when you put a face to these words, it's no longer abstract. It's very easy yeah. to take the abstract.
1: That's huge. What year was that? Like,
2: look, what kind of time? Well, that was, it was, uh, it was in the early seventies. It was, it was probably in the sixties that I came to that conclusion. I mean, About that's kind of huge though. I came out here at 75, sorry. Yeah, no, but that's huge though, right? To, to, like well, yeah, was, to, be, sees, to be so bold. Consciousness was raised to a degree. Yeah. But, um it still was about visibility. It still was about being out. And I also determined when I, that, uh, well, I was drafted. What? Uh, I was drafted in, uh, during Vietnam. Uh huh. Oh, wow. I was drafted during Vietnam and I, I had to go down and have the physical. Uh-huh. They had a lottery and I had, my lottery number was 156, which was the same as the, the exit on the Garden State Parkway, the Patterson. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm 135. See. <laughs> and uh, so they got to my number. So I had to go down and do the physical. And uh, they ask you a whole bunch of questions. Right. And one of the questions they would ask you is, are you a practicing homosexual? And I wrote in, no, I've got it down. Expert. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, of course, the, the, guy, the, the, the army guy said, was that a joke? And I said, no, no, I'm gay. And so they immediately send you to the shrink. And oh. they, have, they send you to the shrink because they want to know that you're not faking it, that you're not a straight guy faking. It. <laughs> what so did they you hold up two different the pictures? <laughs> they hold up a picture of Steve Reeves naked and and Dorothy Lamour, and the no sh- pick one. The shrink was the most the most ordinary, bland. He was an army shrink, and he with a buzz cut, you know, and just kind of. I mean, there was nothing distinguished about him except that he uh, he was sympatico. He, he uh-huh. wasn't judging. Okay. But what he was doing was he, he would ask the most embarrassing questions possible. Hmm. Like, do you felch? You know, things like <laughs> that. Really? Yeah. Because he wanted to know if you were for real. Like if you knew what, what felching was. If you knew what felching was, you pretty much were back yeah. then. Yeah, so because, were
0: you like, um, yeah, it's not really in my repertory, but uh, I'll try anything once.
2: Right. <laughs> but I mean, just, just things that only somebody who actually had gay experience. experience. Right. Would know, and wow. uh, and and that was how they, you know, that you know he's. And finally, he said, "Well, I believe you, and uh, <laughs> but I think I I should tell you this is where this all comes in around full circle. This will go on your record. Oh, you know, you will get a a, a, a whatever four F, but it wasn't a four. It was a special kind of thing mm-hmm. that said we have." Uh, rejected him because he's homosexual right right and this will go on your record and what Uh that means is any of any employer looking for your service record which they all did in those days would find that and would know and a lot of people wouldn't want to hire you because they felt you were a security risk
0: for what kind of jobs like uh, it would like you'd be applying for this and that where the record would come up
2: you know i don't know because i never went after any of those jobs right right But but i i found out about it, I'd heard about it before, and I knew, and I, and I said, well, you know, I, anybody is going to reject me for that reason. It's not somebody who I want to record. And mm-hmm. when
0: are we recording this record? Is it going to be yeah. a, a medley of my greatest <laughs> hit?
2: In answer to you, with long an answer to your question, I always felt that, uh, I didn't want, if I was in a room full of people, I didn't, I turned down, sorry, in my life, first year because it was i felt it was a real kind of homophobic toxic workplace totally misogynistic yeah no women the only woman writer was married to the producer Mm. so uh i i I didn't feel like i could move to new york that wasn't the real the the total reason why i didn't want to move to new york Mm -hmm. uh, from i was in chicago at the time i didn't want to move to new york i I wanted to move to la
0: well listen. I'm old enough to remember that um, SNL got in trouble for a real homophobic joke that they took out. And it was about um, Harvey Milk, uh, the gay rights activist being Mm -hmm. shot and being killed. And then um, the tribute to him. And the joke was the tribute to, there were so many homosexuals in San Francisco that they used footage of Chinese communist soldiers marching to show the volume of people in the march. And it was just kind of like, dude, he was just, Shot. It was just kind (laughs) of like, yeah, that would have never made it past the censors today.
2: Yeah, yeah, probably not. It it wouldn't be a joke today. I mean, no, it wouldn't
1: be. Hi, this is Rachel Yucatel, and I'm here to invite you to listen to my podcast, Misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. This podcast delves into the lives of those who have been reduced to a single headline. Each episode will take a closer look at the stories of those who are on a mission to change their narrative. Join me as we uncover the truth behind the misconceptions, shed light on the stories of those who have perhaps been wrongfully portrayed, explore the complexities of the human experience, and celebrate the power of second chances. Who doesn't love a good comeback story?
0: For four years, you were the head writer and celebrity on Hollywood Squares, next yeah. to your friend, uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi, right, yeah. She hired you for that job,
2: right? Well, she just like, went I after mean- you? We were both. I was hired to be the head writer, and then they they were pursuing a, a star to be the center square. And when they landed on Whoopi, and she said yes, she suggested that I host the show. And they oh. thought she was nuts, but they didn't want to piss her off so early in the relationship. So they tested me. So I went in there with all these guys going, and this is for the win, Becky. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You yeah, know, and they said, "Well, you're a little—you're uh, not quite mainstream enough, but we—we we like your energy, and we'd like to put you in the square next to her." And they thought I would tame her, but of course, this is impossible. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, what I've always said is because what they didn't realize is that we'd worked together a lot before the Hollywood square. Yeah. And uh, uh, what I didn't realize was that she's really a a gay Jewish man, and I'm a black woman. <laughs> <laughs> Ask anybody who's <laughs>
0: <here>. Black Jewish <laughs> lives yes. matter.
1: Well, speak he? I mean, speaking of speaking of Bobby Goldberg, obviously on the view, they tackle all kinds of topics like Black Lives Matter and the movement that's going on and all the protest and everything that's happening. So um, what are your thoughts about what are your thoughts about everything that's been going on, especially kind of protests during this time?
2: Yeah, I think it's I think it's wonderful. I think it's uh, it's a reckoning that the long overdue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry that George Floyd had to die for this to happen, and yeah. a lot of other people also. But it—I mean—it's not like it, it was. It, it just was. It was the video was just so stark that it, uh-huh. it roused people who yeah. finally had to say, "Really, this is insane." It
0: was a snuff film that the whole globe yeah. watched. It was basically yeah. a snuff film that was just so you know sickening to the human spirit that people are finally going, "Oh, maybe there's a problem."
2: I think, And I think that we have to maintain our focus on it because I think that there are elements. Now, people who are prone to hysteria have taken it to ridiculous extensions. I mean, I actually heard somebody on TV the other night say, well, we can't refer to master bedrooms and houses anymore yeah, because it, it triggers people. I oh. said, well, they need help if they're triggered by What about Masterpiece? We can't use that either.
0: I can't say masturbate? Is that oh, master- off the table? Exactly.
2: I mean, I think. You need a I think that's specifically you, because if master you're bedroom. By the master of that. bedroom, then you have a real problem with who you are, heritage wise, and you need professional help. <laughs> the world does not need to change master bedroom. I mean, it, it's a ridiculous extension of the thing. I hadn't even
0: thought of that. Well, but like I think that's, because, that's because part of master, the lexicon because ma- I've never
2: Because, ma- master, of.
1: because master bedroom, the, the term of that, like the yeah. origins, is rooted in slavery. Yeah, well, but that's what bedroom.
2: everybody thinks when they talk about. When any of those black couples going through houses on on, right. on house hunters, and they say this is the master. Do they all go? Don't say that. Yeah. Right. It figures me. No.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there's a lot of
1: nuance. There's the one
2: there. guy who said it on
1: television. <laughs> there's a lot of nuances there, obviously. But I think some some
2: people might argue that it's about I becoming that, But I truly don't believe anybody thinks that. it. Gotcha. Yeah, that just me. I mean, obviously. Yeah. What we've learned is—it's a different I can't say, generation. I can say something isn't racist because I'm not black. Right, right. right. So, right. You know, On the other hand, they—they they hound me for my white privilege, and I keep saying, "Listen, I'm gay and I'm Jewish. I don't got that much white privilege. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of white privilege. A little bit. A little bit. A skosh. Once I reveal myself for who I really am, the white would evaporate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, we gotta. We I want to talk to you forever. You're always such a pleasure to be with. Um, we have um, on our show uh, each of our guests. We have a hot message of the day. So, uh, yeah. Do you have a hot message of the day that you'd like to share with our our, our listeners out, uh, on land and sea? Uh, what? Gee, wow. Put on the spot. Come up with a profound <laughs> message and
2: go. Any words of inspiration, maybe? Oh, uh, I, I, I would be kind to each other. Is so bland. When I was, uh, when I, we, I was a kid. We had a joke, uh, mm-hmm. a Jewish joke. It was every Jewish holiday can be explained in three phrases. They tried to kill us. They lost. Let's eat. <laughs> <laughs> and I've extended that to people. Everybody hates us. No one's going to help us. We have to do it ourselves. We have to take care of our own. Mm-hmm. And I think if that's it. We have to, t- you have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of your, of those dear to you. You have to bear that in mind. If, if you have radical acceptance, then you will be able to march forward in the world. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I think uh, it, it's, but it's you know what Rupaul says: if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love somebody else?
0: Absolutely, so true. what a that's wonderful true. way to end well, the program. Forum,
2: and uh, I've written for him, but I didn't write that for him. But
0: that, yeah, yeah. Where can people find you on the socials, Bruce? Are you on, on the social medias?
2: I'm on Facebook. I don't. I twat not. Okay. I mean, I write. I write Twitter not. for other people, but I twat not, and, uh, <laughs> and I don't. I don't TikTok. I don't Snapchat. I don't. I I know. I'm on Instagram, but I don't, you know, please cameras, leave me alone.
0: I think the next <laughs> app is going to be called Time Suck. Cause that's really what social media <laughs> is. Just
2: time oh, sucks. Like, I call it narcissism central. It's like, yeah. 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 here's a picture of me. Here's a picture of the food I just ate. <laughs> here's a picture of my cat throwing up the food I just ate. <laughs> Here's me and a dead celebrity. Carl <laughs> Reiner, how you doing? Uh, <laughs> Carl Reiner, because it was a nice guy. I know, goes, there were no. so many. There were so many. like Joan Rivers. She would say, yes, you know, and uh, forced smile. <laughs> <laughs> take a picture with some schlub you don't know. <laughs> but they're all Schlubs, but I mean, you know, it's like, and then they post this thing. Yeah, oh, Carl, R.I.P. Carl. We'll miss Carl. <laughs> Here's a picture I took with him. You know when I when I tripped him outside the Laugh Factory. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Bruce.
0: It was great seeing you.
2: Mutual, totally mutual. you. You're too gorgeous. Stop it, stop Give it. It was so wonderful screen. to meet you. Okay. I know
0: he looks like a prize in a raffle. We tell him that all the time. <laughs> I know. I would go. I would go to him
2: for you know for help. Except you know he would know instantly why I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Bruce. He right through my agenda. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Bruce. Okay, on
0: Hot Mess, we always have a hot message of the day. And today, this hot message is from the
1: both of us. Matthew, go. It sure is. Go fuck up on purpose and liberate yourself. I think that's what we just did. Yes, I'm pretty sure. We, I'm pretty sure <laughs> we have the nail on the head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, Matthew, uh, where can we find you on your socials?
1: Well, you can find me everywhere. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at NJ Dempsey Psych and Matthew J Dempsey Psychotherapy on Facebook.
0: And you can find me at Alec Maba on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen to Alec Maba Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey Psychotherapist. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. You. Bye.
1: Uh, Bye.